Welcome to College Football Live with Harry Lyles Jr. and David Pollock. I'm Wendy Nix and happy to say we're just about 48 hours and counting now until college football is back. Let's take a look inside the numbers as we look ahead to the 2021 season. Here are the numbers to know. We start with six number of national championships that Alabama has won over the past 12 seasons, matching every other FBS school combined. The next number, well, also six. The number of consecutive ACC titles, playoff appearances, and top five finishes for the Clemson Tigers. The third number, you guessed it, how about six? The number of consecutive Big 12 titles for the Oklahoma Sooners, who have made four college football playoff appearances in that spam. The final number though, we switch it up. Number four, the number of consecutive Big Ten titles for the Ohio State Buckeyes, fresh off a national championship game appearance and their seventh straight top six finish. Now, since the college football playoffs uh, expansion in 2014, those four teams we just mentioned have accounted for 20 of the 28 spots. It's time to shake things up, or is it? ESPN's Bill Connolly has an article out right now on ESPN.com detailing some factors that could shake up the landscape that we've seen in recent history. He joins us now, and we'll take a look at the first factor, which could be a top team losing early. There is a precedent here. We looked to 1984 as a prime example. Number one Auburn loses to Miami in the season opener. Miami becomes number one, but then loses to number 14 Michigan two weeks later. And by the end of the month, then number one Nebraska loses to unranked Syracuse. And Bill, listen, uh, that's just the first of a couple of factors we'll talk about. How likely is it that we could see a top team lose early? Well, I said moderate just because of the sheer number of opportunities involved. You've got Clemson facing Georgia right out of the gates. You have Alabama facing Miami and Florida. They'll be favored, but not by a ton. You've got Ohio State facing Minnesota and Oregon right out of the gates. With new quarterbacks, that does open up opportunities for upsets. Whether it's a top team or the top team, Alabama, we'll see. But there could be a little bit of a shakeup there. All right, we'll turn to David. As you look to the first month, David, we know the schedules. We know... Who's playing whom? Where do you see a potential pitfall for a top team losing early? Wendy, it's the easiest question in the world if you just say, well, uh, Clemson and Georgia are going to play each other. Obviously, one of those two are going to lose. But when I, when I look at – it's not necessarily the quarterbacks for me. It's all the replacements up, up front on the offensive line for Ohio State. New quarterback, the weapons are going to be good. The running backs are going to be good. But breaking in that spot without a, you know, a ton of experience up front, you know, figuring out who you are, what you are at the quarterback spot. So you look at Ohio State, yes, they're going to be more talented than, than Oregon. But I look at that as a spot where you could possibly see an upset. Again, Clemson and Georgia playing right out of the gate. To your point, one of those two teams has to lose. Uh, factor number two would be an elite team stumbling as we move through the season. Look no further than LSU and Penn State last year, who were ranked sixth and seventh, respectively. And then they were underwater by season's end. Bill, how likely is this to happen in 2021? You know, honestly, 
You look at six through 10 in the preseason top 10 list, there's a whole bunch of teams that either have really tough schedules and new quarterbacks, Notre Dame, for instance, uh, with five straight pretty tough games in the middle of the season. And then you've got teams like Iowa State and North Carolina and Cincinnati who might not have the depth that other teams have. Obviously, the quality is obvious, but it, it, it could just take a little bit of a slip up, a couple of injuries to derail their chances overall. So I think the odds of this one are pretty high overall. All right, so we'll turn to Harry and then say if the odds are high, Harry, who's vulnerable? Where do you see this potentially happening? For me, it's Texas A&M, and before Aggie fans get upset, listen, guys, I think out of the top 10 teams that this could happen to, your team is the best one. However, I do think because you have a new quarterback, because you have an inexperienced offensive line, albeit talented, it's going to take time for them to gel. They don't have the benefit of a Big 12 schedule like Iowa State does or an ACC schedule like North Carolina does or you know, even looking at Notre Dame's schedule, it's not nearly as tough as an SEC slate. So when you take those factors into account, right, the new quarterback, the new offensive line, and you have that tough schedule, even if you do get Alabama at home, I do think that the potential there for them to get got in a game or two is higher than those other teams. Don't apologize, Harry. It certainly makes sense. They can, they can suck it up and swallow it. It's all good. You don't have to apologize for that. <laughs> Listen, we can, we can always count on David Pollock not to set the fence. It's what we appreciate most. Uh, let's look at a third factor here, and this is one we talk about every year. We haven't seen it yet, but it is bound to happen at, that, at some point, and that is a group of five teams that might shake things up. Last season, we saw three group of five squads finish the year in the top 25. Cincy, Coastal Carolina, and Louisiana, and really uh, it, a, a genuine rise of a mid-major mid power could, could shake things up. Is this the year, Bill Connolly, for a group of five team? Man, few, few teams are going to have better opportunities than Cincinnati has this year. Not only because they built their reputation last year with a strong finish, competing athletically with Georgia right at the end of the year as well, but now to get Notre Dame and Indiana on the road on your schedule the following year, we definitely, you know, we, we, we put the bar pretty high for what you have to do as a group of five, but that's all just set right up there for, for Cincinnati, so we'll see if they can do it. Louisiana has Texas, that's going to help them, but you figure it's all about Cincinnati. Yeah, listen, if there's a roadmap to how to do it, I, I think since he's on the right track and scheduling some of those uh, powerhouse teams, David, uh, are, who, who are you watching if it were to happen with these mid-major teams? Well, also, Cincinnati also starts in the top 10. So it ain't like they got that far to go. So it's realistic for Cincinnati. But other teams are going to be Liberty. But I think Coastal Carolina they're not listen neither one of these teams are getting in Cincinnati is the only team that is the only answer that's acceptable but I think Coastal Carolina is a team that with their offense their excitement their star power and quarterback with Grayson McCall uh, their experience coming back their schedule App State is going to be a difficult game besides that I mean that's Georgia Southern but I see a lot of winning in their future so I, I could see Coastal Carolina going undefeated and us talking about them at the end of the year but Cincinnati is the only realistic shot to get in the playoff yeah, David, Bill, you guys hit the nail right on the head. For me, I think the easiest pick here is Cincinnati. Uh, if you look at this team, they're returning a lot of talent. And, I mean, just they've been consistent the last few years. What Luke Fickle's done with this program, I think they have six losses the last three years, and they've all come on the road to ranked opponents. So Cincinnati's legitimate here. 
Now, Desmond Ritter improved so much over the year last year, and if he can continue Aiden. that into 2021, obviously they've got Indiana on the schedule, then they've got a bye week, and then they've got Notre Dame. So if there's going to be a group of five that's going to make a splash here, I think it's going to be Cincinnati. Bill, look in your article, again, out on ESPN.com, detail the factors for so-called on-the-field chaos or a potential shakeup. I, we don't have a meter for it necessarily, but uh, what do you put the percentage that we will see something we haven't seen in quite some time? I, I'm gonna, we're trying as hard as we can to will this to happen this year, I think. Uh, it has definitely been Isn't what, 20 or 28 for those four playoff bids. It's been kind of wild, so it would be interesting for a shakeup. And, and man, Cincinnati, though, Desmond Ritter, that defense, that schedule, this is the year for. We'll see if they can pull it off. All right, fingers crossed. We need to shake things up a little bit. Football is back. We missed it in its entirety last year. Why not? Again, you can see Bill's article out right now on ESPN.com. There is other news as we continue to watch the shifting landscape across college football. This from the Pac-12 who say no thank you to expansion, at least not right now. Uh, this in speculation for the moment that the 12-team league might try to add any of the eight schools that will stay in the Big 12 after the departure of Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, ESPN's college football reporter Heather Denich has been following all of this closely, which says something since it changes just about every day. And Heather, I know you spoke to the commissioner. What can you tell us about that conversation? I did, Wendy. George Klyovkov told me that the bottom line, this was about stability. And he, this news comes on the heels just days after the Pac-12 announced an alliance with the ACC and the Big Ten. You know they're not stealing each other's teams. So what this does is it's a big boost to the viability of the Big 12. Now, sources throughout the Pac-12 have told me that there was a working group that was put together to study expansion. It was comprised of athletic directors, university presidents, and chancellors. And at the end of the day, they considered adding schools not only for full membership, but for also just football and men's and women's basketball as well. And when they explored it, they realized and came to a unanimous agreement that they would get just as much, if not more, out of being a member of this alliance as they would if they would expand. And under the alliance, they don't have to share it with more than 12 teams. Heather, thank you. Uh, Harry, right call here if, in fact, this is where we land? Yeah, you know, it would have been weird if the Pac-12 would have come out today and said that they were expanding after all that alliance stuff that we did on Tuesday. Uh, and plus, the other part of this, too, I think, is, you know, you're not necessarily going to add, let's say, Ohio State and Michigan in the same way that uh, the SEC just added Texas and Oklahoma. So I, I think that this probably makes the most sense for them at, the, at this current moment, at least. I, I don't know what any of this means, by the way. I, w I mean, we, we've, we've formed an alliance. <laughs> And now we're gonna we're gonna team up, right? You know, me, you, and you, and we're gonna do nothing. That's that's what we're gonna do. But I mean, I'm still I'm still trying to figure that part out. I think it'd be smart for the Pac-12 to expand. Um, but listen, the bottom line, all this means is the Big 12 is still twisting in the wind, right? Like, what what is the Big 12 now that there will be the Big Eight in in a few years with Texas and Oklahoma departing? So the Big 12 doesn't have much of an option, I guess, if we formed a you know, double secret handshake that we're not going to like touch each other's teams for the time <laughs> being that the AAC, I guess, is the UCF could bring value to that to that conference. Cincinnati could bring value to the to the Big 12. But I guess that's all that's left to discuss, I guess, I guess, with the you know handshake and stuff. 
Listen, call me a cynic, Heather, but, I, you know, until something's signed, I, you know, handshake all you want. We, we all know what's at stake here and the dollars uh, that are out there to be made. I mean, that, I feel like this could all change again in a year and six months and, and, until, until they've got something in writing. I mean, do they really have anything at all? Well, yes, they do. They have a, a non-written agreement to ha have stability in those three leagues, right? But as, as you guys pointed out, this focus is now on the Big 12. And here's two options, right? Either the Big 12, as you mentioned, gets some good teams from the um, American Athletic Conference, but we can't rule out the possibility that the American Athletic Conference goes after the Big 12 teams. If that happens, then I think that's where it opens the door for the Pac-12 to reconsider expansion. And that could be a really unstable situation for the collegiate landscape. Now, there's a word I can get behind, at least right now, unstable. But at least we've got college football coming back and we get to talk about the games over the weekend. And uh, file the rest under 2B continued. There's no question about that. Heather, thank you. And it is never too early. And that includes today on the uh, eve of the eve of college football to strike a pose. We'll talk about the Heisman favorites already making noise when we come back. Well, stop me if you've heard this before, but lots of quarterbacks among the favorites to win this year's Heisman. Oklahoma Spencer Rattler, the favorite at 6-1, to one, followed by a pair of first-year starters. The lowest odds for a non-quarterback Texas running back, Bijan Robinson. That, though, is 25-1. to one. The Heisman watch starts early. There's no question about that. And David Pollack, you're already watching. I know that. So in your mind, give me your Heisman favorite before we even play it down. I mean, I hate this because I hate going chalk, but Spencer Rattler to me just seems like a prime position. What do you have to be? You have to be in the national championship hunt. I think Oklahoma absolutely will be. I think they're the best team in the Big 12. Um, and I loved what I saw from him last year down the stretch. Remember, this is the dude that got benched in the Texas game and then responded and was on fire. He makes big plays. He scrambles around to throw outside the pocket as well as anybody in the country. So the pedigree, Lincoln Riley, it just it says that he should be the favorite, and I understand why. Yeah, David, I'm not going to get much more interesting than you are here. Uh, you know, I, I think it's got to be Spencer <laughs> Rattler. You look at, like you said, what Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's done, right, with Kyler Murray, with Baker Mayfield. Jalen Hurts was a finalist. Uh, I think it's an easy pick. And plus, the hardest game on their schedule, at least during the regular season, is Iowa State. And that's not a knock on them. But, you know, if you look at the rest of their schedule, he's going to be able to put up a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. So I think if you're a betting man, you got to go with Spencer Rattler for sure. All right, if that's the case, guys, and we agree, rare thing, by the way, when, Harry, does it wrap up? I mean, is it, is it over after September, early October? When do we get this wrapped up? I think we'll have a September Heisman that's not Spencer Rattler, but I do think that we'll know late October, early November. Uh, and I know last year it went a, went a little bit later because of Devontae Smith, but I think that's because he's a wide receiver and people didn't necessarily want to give it to him. So I think we'll know by early November. I think this is going to be a strange year because you're putting all these lists together and I'm trying to figure out who the best team is. And honestly, I don't know. There's so many unknowns at the top. When you CJ Stroud, could he come set the world on fire? Ohio State could easily be undefeated. We all know that, how talented they are. He comes out and starts setting the world on fire. All of a sudden, CJ Stroud's right in there. How about DJ Uyunglele? Week one, you got 
you got Georgia. You ain't losing again with that schedule. They'll be right there in the mix. So I, I don't I don't think this is going to be wrapped up quick. I think there'll be a lot of guys in it because like I think there's a lot of teams that there's just so many unknowns that there's not. A, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you so and so is going to do X. Well, look, I think college football is better for it if that's the case. Not only if there's a number of players in the Heisman race, but a number of teams still in the mix. That's what we want to see and hope to as we get set again just 48 hours now from the return of college football. Listen, when you see college football, what do you also see? All the things that go with it, the bands and the mascots. We got a survey for everything. We also got one about the mascots. We got the best. We got the worst. And not to be outdone, we got the sexiest. But first, a preview of tonight's Herbie Awards. The annual preseason Herbie's Awards show coming up tonight. We've got a little bonus category. Think of this as a forward to a great book or an unabridged version. How about some nominees for the All Intangible guy? Yeah, All Intangible, just guys that bring more to the table than just playmaking ability. They bring leadership. Devin Lloyd has played a lot of football for Kyle Whittingham. Does a nice job for the Utes in the middle of that defense. A couple all-conference accolades in back-to-back years. He's a great candidate. Mackenzie Milton, wow, what a story this is as far as All Intangible. We, last time we saw him, of course, was UCF. Had a devastating knee injury. He's now back competing to try to win the starting job with Florida State. What an incredible story. And then we have Drew White. You know, these, there's some great linebackers, some great players in that front for Notre Dame. Drew White, Drew White is a leader, loved the way he carries himself and loved the way he leads that front seven for the Fighting Irish. The all-intangible Herbie Award goes to Florida State quarterback Mackenzie Milton. Career-threatening, leg-threatening injury. He's been good in practice so far. A very deserving winner of the all-intangible award. Yeah, and you got Mike Norvell as a head coach in his second year that's trying to change that culture and get them to buy into team and get them to buy into winning and put the team first. Who better to show them what it takes to be a winner than Mackenzie Milton? Much more of where this came from later on tonight, the Herbie Awards preseason special at 9.30 Eastern time. Before that, I'll have you with us on the Heisman preview show presented by Nissan. Reese Davis, the busiest man in college football, already busy. So are these guys. By the way, a hint, that guy did not win Sexiest Mascot. We'll tell you who did right after this. Football season starts this weekend, the 16th annual MEAC SWAC Challenge on Saturday. Our celebration of the HBCUs begins at 7 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. And even better, College Game Day will be there. And finally, we're all back together again for some 
good old-fashioned college football. Now, uh, to the important things. We saved the best for last. We asked 1,300 college football fans. Actually, we didn't, but it's been asked, okay? The, the, we have a survey of college mascots, guys, okay? We have the best, the worst, the sexiest, all kinds. Of, all right, drum roll. We don't have a drum, but if we did, you could hear it rolling. Uh, the best college football mascot, and 1,300 people, you know, decent sample size. Uh, I can't see, but we got, is that Northwestern representing there with the, yeah, with the best college mascot fella. I, I, that's surprising to me a little bit. I mean, not bad. David? I don't care. Um, upset, upset, slight <laughs> upset. I would not have thinking, I would not have thought Northwestern. That's not what I've gone with in my head, but good for Northwestern. Big win early in the season. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, listen, good for better, better to win than lose. All right, Harry, hold your, hold your fire there because, not to be outdone, the sexiest college football mascot is... And the winner, I mean, double dipping there, Harry, North, Northwestern. I don't know, can you be both? I yeah, guess, I guess sexiest it's is interesting that people could find a wildcat uh, sexy, but you know, I guess to each their own. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, uh, for me, if I had to pick one, a sexy one, I, I would go with uh, Ace Purple from the University of Evansville. Uh, but if we're keeping it to power five, I guess the Duke Blue Devil, because there's some sort of <laughs> mystery there and whatever. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, I'm glad it. you could pick right. one because I, hate to I end don't on a down have note, any thoughts with that whatsoever. But you don't have to. You don't have to. We're gonna we're gonna go. What about the worst? Pistol Pete bringing bringing home the worst college football match. They don't. They like it. I don't. I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, anyway. What's what's wrong anyway, with Pistol? Pistol's it, not uh, bad. Stanford tree. No, it's a I tree. Thought, he looks like I mean, he scares children. I He's not good. It was a little good. bit of a bad rap. Oh, what? You uh, think he's I, I don't mind pistols. Listen, the most, uh, Harry, uh, in, a, in a word, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Football, I would guess, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. 